You're listening to Startup Korea. Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Korea. My name is Abel Acuna and this podcast is all about the entrepreneurs and investors of Korea. My goal for this show is to get some of the entrepreneurs and founders here in Korea who have started their companies, built their companies, and get their advice, share their stories, share their lessons, and also to profile new founders and new startups here in Korea. So if you're interested in the startup ecosystem in Korea, or if you're just interested in learning from entrepreneurs who have actually done this before, then this show is for you. You can find all the episodes at Startup Korea. .co, or even better, you can subscribe to Startup Korea. If you're a Mac or iPhone user, just open iTunes and search for Startup Korea. And if you're an Android user, like us on Facebook or go directly to the site. So that's Startup Korea. A little bit about myself. I am an American. I'm a previous startup founder here in Korea. I had the opportunity to start a company right after graduating. We built this company up for three years and later had it acquired by Kakaotalk where the company still builds new products, new apps for the Talk platform. So that's briefly about Startup Korea and about myself. This episode is with Zeno Schmickrath and Johan Kamowski. These guys are the founders of Hamlet, a company that provides lifestyle and housing solutions in Singapore, Tokyo, and soon enough here in Korea. Zenos is an American entrepreneur who spent his earlier years studying, modeling, and working in Tokyo. Yoan is Spanish and French, who also happens to be a quarter Korean and previously studied at Kongkuk University here in Korea. Z and Yoan discuss what it's like trying to scale out a non-tech, non-digital startup company. Just like Uber or WeWork, Hamlet relies on physical assets and locations to make their service work. We also hear about the lows and high points in their business journeys so far and what it's like trying to launch your business across multiple Asian cities as a foreigner. Please enjoy this episode with Z and Yoan. Hello, everyone. We're here in Singapore, and I am with Yoan Kamowski and Zeno Schmickrat, who are the founders of Hamlet. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. <laughs> All right. So what is Hamlet? Uh, Hamlet is a shared housing company. We are in Singapore and uh, just expanded to Tokyo. We make it really easy for people to move around the world and we provide awesome accommodation for them. Walk me through what your service does. Let's say I'm from the US, I'm moving to Singapore. What's my interaction with your company? Well, so far we are on uh, different platforms. We, uh, we really try to, have, uh, to be able to select the people that live in our shared houses. Uh, we, really, we really believe that matching the people together uh, is one of the biggest points uh, of our business. We're not only like giving you an awesome house, but we're also giving you awesome flatmates. So far, a lot of like startup been trying to uh, go along that lines, trying to find your flatmates, trying to find your place, but people tend to have like a very bad experience. And uh, we decided to match personality with an awesome place. And uh, that's what we like, try to, uh, to succeed in, uh, trying to do basically in Singapore and now in Tokyo. Okay, so this is different from the experience that I might have with Airbnb. I show up in Singapore, instead of booking a room or an apartment using Airbnb, I would use you guys for, what, what are the benefits? 
So we're a longer-term solution. So Airbnb is short. We we want to really focus on the community. We do uh, in Singapore. We do six-month leases, and we focus on matching the people together. And for that experience, um, for instance, if you're uh, someone that's coming out to experience a new country for a job or for any other means, we provide the place where you're going to settle down. And uh, to have a good living experience as opposed to just, you know, a room or a apartment to stay in. So it's not necessarily taking on the, the same hotel industry that Airbnb might be taking on, but more extended stays. Um, yeah, not at all. Uh, we, we really try to be, I mean, like when people try to compare us with Airbnb, um, we really are just like try to explain very clearly that we are not in the same field at all. Uh, Airbnb is really trying to give you an awesome stay for holidays, uh, but they don't take care of you and don't bring you a, a family, I would say, uh, a network of people that you're going to live with. Uh, Hamlet will provide you the house uh, and also the network, the people, uh, the experience of a new place, a new country, uh, and just going to be sure that you're going to have an awesome moment in, in this new country, basically. Okay. And what are people doing now? What's the alternative to using a service like Hamlet? Pretty much it's all private. So a lot of people will put their their house or room up on any other platform. They'll search for roommates and whatnot. But inevitably, you're ending up dealing with an individual person. You're giving uh, just some random dude your deposit money or... Uh, you know, you're living with an owner of an apartment, which in Singapore, you get some really weird restrictions like no cooking or no visitors. And a lot of foreigners don't know that these pitfalls exist. And we are changing that and making it uh, a really comfortable place to live. And we just we take care of uh, the people living in our flats. Okay, so before you guys got Hamlet up and running, what were you two doing Tell me the origin story of this business. Wow. Um, it's back in 1990. No, <laughs> we, we basically, um, what happened is, uh, well, Z, uh, who had a girlfriend at that time, um, was that trying. Happened. <laughs> it has happened, yeah. He was trying to uh, help this girlfriend at the time to find a, a nice place. Like both Zenas and, and her were just. Changing of room every like every what two to three months, right? Z is correct. Yeah, I, I moved around all the time. I couldn't. I just couldn't find a good, cool place to live. Yeah, he was ending in like. I mean, like I. I remember I was visiting him in this room in on Orchard Road, which is like one of the <laughs> most famous places in, in Singapore. And I visited him. We arrived in this place where the living room was like cut down, partitioned by by some like uh, weird guy who decided to like make the most of his apartment. And uh, and the place was just so sad. Uh, Zinus wasn't even staying too much over there, right? Dude, I, I didn't even know my flatmates. <laughs> like I never met him. Uh, that's like the sad story. So so starting from there, um, Zinus and I and another like colleague uh, tried to uh, basically like found a home, found an apartment, and we were just browsing on a different uh, platform, like what could be a, a really awesome house where. Where people would want to like live and, and have parties because like we're just still young and we want to enjoy life, right? 
And um, and yeah, like just uh, yeah, Z, tell them like how you you found this like awesome like blended property. Yeah, we were just looking around at places, and uh, actually right behind where my girlfriend lived, there was this landed house, and it was like six bedrooms, five bathrooms. I mean, it was just a massive place. And of course we, we wanted to live there, but there's no way we could afford it. So what we did is we did some thinking on it, did some calculations, and we realized that if we came together and got people to live in this flat with us, that maybe we could even reduce the rent on, on the room that we had. And so we ended up going in uh, together, forming a partnership just to get the house and turn it into a really cool place to live. And it ended up being an awesome place. Like we, we would throw parties. We had like, you know, 50 people over yeah. and uh, everybody wanted to live there. So uh, after, after some time and some other failures in the, in the startup and entrepreneur space, uh, we decided to give this business a go because we just saw the need for it because so many of our friends wanted to live in a cool place like we had. Yeah, I mean, like the funniest thing is that that house been running for like I would say like a year plus, mm-hmm. and uh, Zinus uh, Ming and uh, Ming, which was like uh, one of our business partner at that time, and, and myself, uh, we all basically quit our jobs and we were working on like internet startup, basically trying to like. What is the next Facebook or, and then like, I mean, like any entrepreneur, we were having something that was running next to us, this house where people were happy, enjoying life, enjoying Singapore. And on the other side, we were meeting so many people saying, Oh, my, my, my flat is disaster. My flatmates are, are terrible. And we we're like, wait, wait a second. We are helping people in one side, uh, which is this house. How can we make that mainstream and helping everyone? Basically, we're just trying to like, like be flatmates with all Singapore, right? This is such a common problem that I've seen ever since I graduated. Because in university, you're used to living with your roommates. You have dorms, so everything is provided. But then, as soon as you get out into the real world, then you have to start finding rooms, and you know, no one has the funds or wants to waste money renting out an entire flat because you end up with unused space or you're paying way more than you need to. And now that we have the ability to take jobs across the country or across the world and you're put into a new city, you don't have that, that shared network that you had when you're back in your old town. And this, this problem comes up again where you want to have that friendship and that community live in a nice place, but all you need is to pull your resources together with people that you might get along with, but it's difficult to find places like that. And like you said, you had this flat now for like going on two years. That's been a nice kind of community, people coming in and out of it. And even back in Boston, where I used to live, there's one house in Beacon Hill, you know, the very top uh, penthouse, great views of Boston, not expensive to live in because, you know, we all split the costs. And these friends of mine have just kept holding on to it because it's just, it's a great location. And once you find a place like that and you have good friends around, it's hard to, to let it go. And it makes you want to stay longer in that city. So I definitely understand the need here and see it a lot. And it's something that you don't get with something like an Airbnb where you're just in someone else's 
house. You're not really getting to choose who you're with and everything is just so in and out. Shifting gears a little, in this journey that you guys have had, what has been the lowest point of this journey with Hamlet so far? <laughs> Take us back there. Tell us the story. Oh my God. Like, I think it was the most depressing moment since I'm like, right, right. Uh, I take that one, Zinus. <laughs> yeah, please, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, the lowest point was um, after almost eight months, like, we, we basically put some funds together. We were the three of us, co-founder. So, so like the first person was An Ming Ong, and we were just killing it. We were taking house after houses, uh, beautiful houses. We were matching people. We were doing barbecues. And... Um, like any business, at one point we, we ran, ran, ran out of funds <laughs> just because we are in a big field and we were a startup and, uh, and real estate is not a small field to be. Uh, investment are big. Uh, we were trying to make every single house uh, a nice home. So uh, investing in furniture, uh, being, being sure that everyone is like, really comfortable. And uh, at one point, we were just having this business running well, but we wanted to expand. We wanted to like make more people happy. And uh, when was it? Z was like uh, what November? Yeah, yeah. And at that point, like like the, we were three co-founders. We just look at each other, and and we were just scared about how to scale uh, such a business, which is super like useful for that everyone, but. But how are we going to be international? How are we going to be able to take more flats? And uh, it's actually how, at that point, that we, we lost one of our uh, co-founders uh, who was really worried about the scalability of that business, wanted to go faster. And, uh, and we were really suffering, uh, in a way, like, like frustrated on, on not being able to, 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 to draw this like, big picture that we were having in our head, but uh, not able to, to, to make it. And I think that's the lowest point where we see that the product is really happening, but like it's not an internet startup where you're trying to get more like more users and it's it's quite cheap compared to like a physical business. Here we had to invest and create homes, and uh, that was really frustrating. That was really like a really moment that Z and I, uh, to name a brand, we were at Starbucks looking at each other and we were like, "What are we gonna do? Like, is it is it the end?" Like how are we going to find like people trusting that subletting because it's what we do. We rent and sublet and make a really awesome place, like a, a community space. Like how are we going to like make people trust in us? Basically, that was that was, was kind of like a, a tough moment. A lot of depressing coffees. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, Zenos, what about the highest point in your entrepreneurial journey so far with Hamlet? Well, that's, that's pretty easy after the low point. We went through just, you know, months of, you know, trying to figure out how to grow, how to scale, what to do. And I think the, the highest point is we, we took a trip to Tokyo to kind of take a look at the market and to, um, you know, see what it's like up here in a different city. And I also have some connections here because I studied here in high school. And we, uh, yeah, through the course of events, we were able to get some angel investments and also solidify our ties in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. We found a, a partner up here. And um, just, you know, in two weeks, basically, the entire business turned around. We <laughs> had the money to 
to move in the direction that we wanted to and another opportunity in another international city, which is Tokyo, which is where we're expanding to right now. And that feeling of just knowing the path that we were going to take and the next steps, it was amazing yeah. to have the, know that we had the opportunity to achieve the goals that we had. Could you share some of the specific steps that you had to do to make these new opportunities happen? They don't have to be like who you contacted. It could be more about, you know, we just were more aggressive about doing X, Y, or Z. Uh, Z, like, it, it was more like the, the time when, when we just like keep on looking at each other, right? And we were just like, we have to make it just like, not for like us, but for the people who need like a home, right? Yeah, exactly. And we definitely kind of just sat down and we thought through, really thought through like five years into the future. Where do we want to be? What kind of business do we want to be? And we wrote that down and we got down to kind of, you know, like you hear it all the time in, in corporate, like the core values of what we are and why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. And, and with that, we were able to realize, okay, we, we need money. And if we're going to expand and uh, in that case, we need investment. And yeah. so we, we started to pursue that um, and we didn't give up. Right. Yeah. Vision is so key because without vision, you don't know what to do day to day, week to week, month to month. If you don't define either on paper or just in your mind what the vision is for your company, what the vision or lifestyle that you want for yourself in two years out, five years, 10 years out, then you won't know what you should be doing at the time. And you get locked into a day-to-day -day decision of, should I be doing this or should I not? Mm -hmm. And once you have that vision, then it's just so much easier because you, you can think, will this help me achieve this vision? And things just begin to fall into place. You guys touched upon this, and I want to come back to this problem or this difficulty of scaling out a non-digital service. So your business relies heavily on physical, tangible products. Um, what are some of the challenges that have come up and how do you manage those challenges? Good question. It's tough. I mean, Z come from the, the startup industry, but like internet, like he's a, he's a tech, he's a tech guy, Z, right? Like you, you never really like, been facing such deal and I used to be uh, a project manager in, in construction company like for two years after my uni uh, and I've been facing like I mean like the more like like very physical everything is like physical like like the people like we, we were building something you know and and Z was in tech everything was trying to create that platform which is gonna like it's so sexy that we're gonna get people on board and and we kind of came like across like like these both words, right? Z? Yeah, exactly. We 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 try to um, we try to like be efficient as a tech startup, but also looking at the, all the human problem that you will have in a physical business. And it's kind of like our way of thinking that made us who we are right now. That we we recruited really efficiently. We succeed in like splitting the different departments to like give the best experience to the, the, the people that we are hosting, that the people that we are creating that community. And and I think that a lot of people always like think tech startup and and always gonna like think like physical business. But 
we see more and more, for example, Uber. We consider that tech startup, but they are having cab drivers. Without the drivers, they are they are nothing. You know, they have people behind it. So um, yeah, I think like that is this like us becoming like coming from like two different worlds that made us uh, made Hamlet how it is right now. What are your plans to use technology to make your business more efficient? Uh, there's so many things that we can <laughs> do and that we've thought of. Coming from a tech background and specifically a startup tech background, I realize the power that certain tools can provide you in your organization. So we're, we're thinking about ways that we can revolutionize the real estate field because we're fundamentally in that field. And so any tools that we can create or that we can adapt that will give us more efficiency. Don't tell them anything. Don't tell them, don't tell them everything. It's top secret. <laughs> <clears throat> I, think, I think that's pretty good. It's <laughs> <laughs> enough. It's enough, enough. No. No, yeah, as you said that, it's like we have, we have so many opportunities. Like a lot of people try to create stuff like based on like, oh, I see a problem. They jump directly in the tech business. But we are learning so much and being in this physical uh, field. And any small touch in tech that we bring along our, our path is just like making the experience like so much better. And yeah, we are like, today we are like organizing events. We are like thinking to have uh, apps which like bring everyone together and make like all the flatmates just enjoying even more our, our uh, experience. And, uh, and even later, like we, we are dreaming of being able to like, you guys could choose a place. You, you, are, you were living in Boston. You're going to move in Shanghai and we're going to make you visit your new place and your new flatmate just from your couch. And, and we are not that far to be able to create such things. We are thinking about it. We are trying it out. And the day that we are sure that we have to take this new direction or develop that thing, we will do so. You just got to say it. You just got to say, we're going to virtually take you there using <laughs> VR. Uh, I exactly said so. I, I, I explained it a little bit. It's just one of the, the many things we're thinking of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're all humans. We live for now in the physical space. So, of course, we need physical solutions to, to problems out there still. And, uh, until we all become, you know, digits inside of some computer, you need these physical solutions. And of course, you can make them more efficient and make them more powerful with the use of technology, with the use of online platforms or VR platforms. Very cool, guys. Last big question here. You two are both foreigners. Zenos, you're, you're American. And Johan, yep. you're French and Spanish. How do you guys manage doing business in Singapore, in Tokyo, you know, soon enough in Korea? I just think that is in general the way the world is going these days. I mean, it's not a, as big a deal anymore to be an American working and forming a business in Asia um, or any place else in the world and, and vice versa. And for us in Asia... I've been living in, in the, like Japan, China, and now Singapore for now three years. And so I do feel like I have a strong connection to the region and I understand a lot of the cultural background, which has been a really big help to me 
in in understanding how to navigate the business here. Uh, Singapore in particular is business friendly and foreigner friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, Tokyo maybe a little bit less so. But, <laughs> it's extreme. Uh, it's a complete yeah. opposite. <laughs> exactly. And and Johan, I'm sure you have uh, a lot to add as well uh, on your thoughts. Um, well, yeah. I mean, like as you said, I'm I'm Spanish and and French by nationality, but I also have Korean blood no matter what. And uh, and I've been injected in in Korea when when I was like I look completely white. You can't guys can't see that right now, but. I look completely white and I've been accepted by my extended family and, and uh, they were all talking to me in Korean and I had no idea what they could, they could say. And, um, and just by accepting the fact I was just different, like, like my, my blood was like a mixture, like a cocktail, you know, it's like uh, a bit of everything. And, uh, I just had to accept it that like, I was learning something new and I was like, I, I just belong. Even if I don't look the same, I just belong there. And, and when you just think that way, you're just more, you accept the difference of other people. You just want to learn what's happening around you and you become not a nationality. You become someone who's just like get a little bit of each culture. And, uh, and I think that everyone now is not, not, I mean, it's very rare that you say, Hey, I'm, I'm French or we all mix pretty much. I mean, I, Abel, are you really um, fully American? Abel Quenya, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But like we um, all a mixture and like the beauty is like now we can actually say, I'm not a bastard. I'm, I'm, I'm one of this like kid that been crossed. I don't know how we can say that in right English. And, and that's the beauty of it. And like, if you accept it, then you're like, it's much easier to like be able to, to grow a business in, in Korea. In now in, I mean, we are in Singapore, we're in Japan, we are, we are planning to be in Hong Kong, Shanghai and Seoul next year. That, that is just easy because we understand the people living there and we are ready to like, welcome the people who wants to discover these cultures. You guys are definitely these global entrepreneurs, global citizens where you know, you're not afraid of boundaries, not afraid of cultures or languages. It's so easy now for you to just get on a plane and you're somewhere new and it's difficult, it's challenging you might not have the same network and you might not know the language that well. Are you saying that we are having commitment issues? <laughs> <laughs> but still, yes, you know, you have, you have the challenge and you, you go after it. It's difficult, but it's also just gives you a rush to be able to succeed in places that are a challenge. And these cities are just so exciting to live in too. They're these major cities like Singapore, Tokyo, Seoul, that's where a lot of new business is going too. Now, to wrap up, I'd like to ask a few quick questions to get some of your advice as entrepreneurs. Is there a favorite entrepreneurial book or business book that you guys can recommend? Well, when I was younger, my dad gave me the seven habits of highly effective people. That one was uh, pretty fundamental for me just to, to get the mentality that people that are entrepreneurial start businesses and you know, do things that really move the world forward, kind of do things a little bit differently sometimes. And so you kind of just have to embrace that. Uh, Maybe another one that I read that really changed the way I thought about internet startups was the the Lean Startup, which I think a lot of your listeners have probably read. And uh, that was really fundamental for me as well in how I approach the growth of business. Johan, any books or resources? Uh, Tintin. 
The full suit. He's flying everywhere. He's just like making it happen. He just crush everything. He doesn't care where he's going. He does not really like speak any language where he's going, but he make it happen. He's an entrepreneur. He was a journalist, but like he make thing happens. <laughs> I think it's like I, I just want to be different. I mean, like Z been really like saying the, the the books I've been reading also, and I think like yeah, like being able to like not be scared. Like Tintin, like being able just to like do it. If you trust in something, if you believe in something, just push it. You know, Tintin, yes, yeah. adventure straight into yeah. those new frontiers and businesses. Yes, that is the best answer I've heard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ever. And how about any habits? Is there one habit that you think helps contribute to your success? Uh, a habit that I think is valuable, at least for me, has been to really focus on the long term, um, to step back from the day-to-day stuff that you're yeah, you're experiencing, you're feeling, and to take a bigger look at the vision of your company or the or where you want to be in a few years and just to like reground yourself mm. in what you're doing day to day and to make sure that the things that you're doing are actually helping you achieve your greater vision. Right. We got to step back and think about where we're heading and why we're doing the things that we're doing. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Where can people find out more about Hamlet and why is this called Hamlet? So you can go to hamlet.com. It's H-M-L-E-T.com. And the name came about because Hamlet in English, well, Old English, isn't just a play by Shakespeare. It means a community, a small village of people. And that's exactly what we're trying to create all around the world. Very cool. All right, Zenos, Johan, thank you so much for your time today. And everyone out there, if you're moving to Singapore or if you're moving to Tokyo or soon enough, Seoul, guys? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> that is a place that we will be next year. All right, then please do check out hamlet.com, which will be added in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right, that wraps up this episode of Startup Korea. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe via iTunes or Facebook. Just search for Startup Korea on iTunes or Facebook and you'll find it. And if you have any startups that you would like me to interview or any startup questions, feel free to message me directly at able at startupkorea.co. Until next time, take care.